Hey guys, just a quick heads up that today's episode is going to be a little bit longer than normal. I had the unintended yet very honored opportunity to interview Hunter Lowry. We were kind of just in conversation and kind of just talking about certain things and realized that a lot of the way that I approach coaching is very similar to the way that he approaches financial advising. And so it's not oftentimes that I meet somebody who's in the financial advising space who I feel comfortable sharing with you guys and actually referring you to. So I I asked him if he would allow me just to kind of hit record on our Zoom call and interview him and just like bring a little bit of information to you guys as listeners. He agreed to do so and lo and behold, we had much in common and so the interview was about 40 minutes long. I am giving you the uncut version here. Feel free to hit pause and come back another time. That's totally fine. Um, And I encourage everybody to reach out to Hunter and see um, if there's something that he can do for you and whatever your current financial circumstances are. And before I pass this along to the actual interview, I would like to just take this moment to, again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Make Money Behave podcast. I want you to know how much I appreciate all of the positive feedback that I've received, and I do not take that for granted. As I do in every episode, I encourage you to take a second to just hit subscribe in whatever platform you're listening to this. And I would also love if you would take a minute to just leave a quick review of the show and a rating as well. Five stars would be awesome. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Anyway, I appreciate you guys listening. And here, I'm going to get right into the interview with Hunter Lowry. I'd like to just welcome everybody to learn a little bit about Hunter Lowry. He is somebody that I met the other day. Well, not the other day. I guess it was, what, two, three months ago now. And just really, really appreciate the way that you do things, Hunter. And so I'd just like to welcome you to the show. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, of course. Appreciate uh, appreciate you having me out. And um, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday from our Vegas event also, and it's um, kind of psychotic how much everything's <laughs> changed since the last time we saw each other, but it um, is. I've still been able to keep up and everything. Yes, yes. And so you mentioned Vegas, so I'll let my listeners know that that is the event that I've, I've brought up quite a few times actually on the show over the last couple of months because it was such a life-changing event for me, not just because of... Um, of the people that we met or even the content that was there, but I think because of the circumstances under which we all met and, yeah. and just how crazy it is, like you said, almost psychotic that the way that with, with, mm, what's the best way to say it? Just with the circumstances that we came out of into that, like we walked into this, it's almost like you can't really think you can get traction with anything or people think the world is totally falling apart and ending. And we were able to be in a completely different mindset when we walked out of there. So we're surrounding ourselves with just a completely different group of people, I think. And it has made all the difference. So that is one of the reasons I wanted to invite you onto the show because I think that so many times right now people are just stuck in this idea that everything is so topsy-turvy and how could I possibly start investing and all of that. So, but before we even get into any of that, people don't know who you are, right? They don't even, yeah. like, they don't even know you're a, a financial planner at this point. So I want to just give you an opportunity to share a little bit about who you are and kind of what you do. What do you love to do? Yeah. So like you said, my name is Hunter Lowry. I live in Auburn, California. Um, it's kind of in between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. So it's a pretty cool spot. I mean, I have a 45 minute drive if I want to go to Lake Tahoe. It takes me two hours to get to San Francisco where it's pretty nice. I mean, we're close to everything. But like you said, I'm a financial advisor. I work for an independent wealth management firm. It's called Sierra Ridge 
Wealth Management, and that's located in Sacramento, California. So normally I make that drive every day, and I'm driving two hours a day. But <laughs> with this with this whole coronavirus thing, it's saving me a lot of time, and I'm doing a lot more Zoom calls. So, um, but yeah, that's what I do. Um, you know, our, my company's a little bit different than the bigger name firms. Most people, when you think of a financial advisory firm, top companies that come to mind, you know, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, Edward Jones. We're not a big wirehouse like that. Um, kind of the benefit of being on the independent side and why I went that way really is to give myself the most opportunity that I possibly could because I don't have any backdoor relationships with any mutual fund companies, any insurance companies, I mean, any of that. So I'm not tied to any certain products. I basically have the world of investments at my fingertips that allows me to customize models and portfolios per each client's needs. Um, and I just really wanted to have that sort of freedom to be able to do what I can do best for my clients. So that's how I ended up on the independent side. That's awesome. And I think that's how I actually became um, attracted to the way that you do things, Hunter, because oftentimes people think there's like a one size fits all. And, you know, this is the plan that I'm going to do. And you can come in and all the numbers might change, but this is the plan. This is the strategy, right? And I don't do that. And I know that you don't do that either. And that's one of the things I'm like, yes, I was just drawn to that because really there are as many strategies as there are human beings. I think, you know, we have to be willing to tweak things and just make it something that will that the person will actually kind of stick to. And so some people, if you're listening today, I want to just say some people ask the difference between a financial advisor and a financial coach. And I know I didn't ask you, you know, to really think about the difference between that. So I'm just going to throw this out there and just say that a financial advisor is the person who is certified. They are specifically trained in different strategies, different products that are going to help somebody get to somewhere. Um, and it's kind of like for the long haul, right? A financial coach is more that person who um, can kind of help prepare someone for your services. So if you have somebody who comes to you for services and you're like, um, you're kind of in the red every single month, you know, yes, I know you want to, I know you might want to invest in your good job for thinking about your future, but if you are running a, a negative $200 every month in your cash flow, we don't really have any money to put aside for the future to actually invest with. And so when you start peeling back some of those layers, you find that there's probably some reasoning, whether it's the mindset or the behavior, the habits, whatever, that that person is running that negative cash flow. And that's where a financial coach really comes in and helps them identify those things and fix those behaviors so that they become ready for what you do. There, there are some people who need one, but not the other, right? There are some yeah. people who need both. And so um, I just want people to hear that. Now, I believe that whether or not you need a financial coach, you could really benefit from having a financial advisor. Having said that, I think there are probably some really scummy ones out there. So, <laughs> so that's oh, yeah. why. Just like any <laughs> that's right. So that's why when I find a good one, someone who's honest and can be trusted. And you guys, I know I, I have mentioned that I've only known Hunter for like three months, but I usually have a really good gut feeling. Like if, if I have a, a feeling that someone's really kind of shady, I'm usually pretty right on about that. I let them prove it first. Like I don't just assume, right? Um, but the other, op the opposite of that's true as well. If I have a chance to, or if I have a gut feeling that someone's really 
just on the up and up, they usually prove me right. And I just, I, so far I've seen the way that you handle clients and the way that you've talked to those, some of the referrals that I've sent you. And I just know that that's, you're proving that to be a good gut feeling. So that's why yeah, I want, I want people to be able to connect with you and find out like what, okay, so I've done some of this financial coaching stuff. Now who can I trust for the financial advising stuff? Would you mind telling us a little bit about, um, you said that, yes, you've seen some scummy, you know, in this industry. Tell us a little bit about like one of the worst things you've seen um, so that people can kind of go, oh yeah, that's a good example of what's not to look for. Yeah. Um... And you know, I'm I, I'm never gonna I'm not gonna point fingers at a company or a person or anything, but um, just kind of generally speaking, um, and this is kind of what you know you had kind of asked me, what should people be looking for in a financial planner? So I guess this can almost be the opposite. Yeah, yep, yeah, <laughs> um, they go hand in hand. Yeah, big time. So when I'm thinking about you know some some advisors that um, you might want to stray away from, um, number one thing that kind of pops to mind is how people are structuring their fees. Um, there are horror stories, you know, of people setting up their, um, their fee structure so that they basically don't have to do any work. They can go through and trade in client and clients accounts and just trade stocks over and over and over, get paid for making all those trades and it does nothing for their client. You're just paying them for no reason. Um, so knowing how your advisor is going to charge you and making sure that it's a fair deal is really, really important. There's also a lot of people that you know, call themselves financial advisors, but they're not, do you know what I mean? Like, like there's a lot of maybe people that only sell permanent life insurance and only sell annuities. And there's a reason that some of these things have gotten such a bad rap because annuities and permanent life insurance policies, you know, they can pay a pretty good commission for people. So mm -hmm. there are people out there that, you know, you go in and tell them, Hey, I want to set up a retirement plan. And the first thing they say is, Oh, you should buy an annuity where, you know, that's really not probably the right call for that person. But they told you they're a financial advisor, but really you don't know. That's all they do. They just push annuity products to people and just ring in those commissions. So you have to be really careful. And, and like you said, it's really, really important that you trust and, and have a good relationship with that advisor because it should be something you're doing for the long haul. I mean, most relationships with advisors, they should last throughout your entire life realistically and then potentially even for your own kids. So it's super important that it is someone that you can trust with your money and that they actually are able to do the things that you want them to do, not just selling you on a single product. Perfect. So are there any like letters behind someone's name that people should specifically look for to, to know that they're not just a, an insurance salesperson, for example? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a million different designation, designations that you can get um, for all sorts of financial planning. I mean, realistically, you want to make sure that they at least have some of their series licenses. So I have my series seven, my series 66, and then my life and health insurance license. So I'm able to do the life insurance side because that is an important aspect of somebody's financial plan. I mean, you got to have some type of insurance finding yeah. that correct type. Um, you know, that's for your advisor to figure out, but in order to have my seven and 66, that allows me to be able to sell stocks and mutual funds and variable annuities and all those different things where if someone just has a life and health insurance license, they can't actually sell those stocks and things and build you a real portfolio. Um, then you can get as deep into looking at, you know, there's CFAs and CFPs, a, a certified financial analyst and a certified financial planner. And there's so many of those. I'm actually in the process of getting my CFP to be the next step up in, uh, in what I'm doing for people and be a certified financial planner. I think 
that it's just great to have and it really can separate you um, from the majority of advisors out there. But just because someone doesn't have a CFP doesn't make them a bad advisor. But I would caution against working with someone in a full financial planning aspect that doesn't have the correct series license to build you an adequate portfolio, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I'll be honest, as, as you throw out all these numbers and letters, and it almost feels like we're eating alphabet soup, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's no way that I, or maybe even some of my listeners, are going to remember any of those yeah. actual series and license. But the, yeah. the most important thing, it sounds like, is to find out how... Um, how well rounded is that person's ability, right? So, exactly. you know, if you how 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 far does that stretch? That like can exactly. they can they do more than just one thing? That's going to be one of the most important questions to ask somebody. And then they can say, what are some of your you know licenses or record or what was the word that you used? It was a good word. Um, I don't remember, but what are designations? Yeah. So yeah. what are some of those designations? And then they can go and and look those up, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Before they hire the one. That's yeah. more important. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if they've got all the series in the world, but um, if you're going to look for someone that's going to give you full-fledged financial planning advice, you don't want them to only be licensed to sell you insurance. Yep. Perfect. At the end of the day, what it comes down to. Perfect. Very good. Um, you know, a lot of people like to find out how the people who are doing really well, how they screwed up. And that's one of the things that I, I share all the time on my show. Like, okay, this is where I, I'm a real idiot in this area, right? Or even if it's something that I'm an expert in now, it's probably because I was an idiot before in the same thing. So if you don't mind, I'm asking for a little bit of vulnerability here. Yeah, totally. um, okay. <laughs> what are, what's like one of the biggest mistakes that you think you've made? And it, it, it'd probably be around this area if you want, whether it's investing or whatever. But then I want you to take it a step further and go, why are you really glad that you made that mistake? Because it turned into something amazing later on. Yeah. So, you know, as I was kind of thinking about this and I've actually thought about this question a lot, you know, it's, it, um, it's something that can come up when you're talking to anybody about different job interview, whatever it is, but mm -hmm. um, kind of my biggest mistakes, I don't even think of them to be in the investment side. Um, so as you know, your listeners obviously don't know, but I spend a lot of time around horses and cows and livestock and I've grown up around ranching and I team rope and rodeo. So a lot of my, um, childhood and growing up has been spent around animals and it's insane how much you can learn from being around horses and cows for a long period of time mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so as I was thinking about this you know the way that I've become a financial advisor and my thought process of being pretty analytical and I'm pretty goal-driven um, and I'm, I'm pretty systematic in how I like to do things I think a lot of that has to do with the mistakes that I've made growing up around animals realistically so Really, one of the biggest mistakes that I made around horses was two years ago, and I was roping in Las Vegas in the finals. And in this roping, to win this sucker, it pays over $300,000 a man to win oh, this thing. I mean, wow. it's like, it's life-changing money um, for anybody. It's, right? I mean, it, it's crazy. But anyways, we were, so in team roping, you have to catch four in a row to have a chance to get a check. And we had caught two in a row. We needed to catch one more in order to give us the opportunity to win a big check. Mm -hmm. And basically, without going into the details of team roping, I, I left too early and I basically committed a foul that cost us an extra five seconds. And oh. it took us out from being able to even have the opportunity to win. So we were set up amazingly. I made a, a, a mental mistake of just 
you know, not fully preparing myself for the situation. And it, it killed me. Like I was so angry. I, it's still like I get goosebumps thinking about it now because it was <laughs> such a bad mistake. And, um, but as well, I was I'm going to interrupt today, you for a second because it didn't yeah. even affect you. It affected a whole team. So my that, partner, I had yeah. another person that had just driven from California all the way to Las Vegas who I just let down and his oh. family, you know, like uh -huh. it was a big amount of money to be one. And it was yeah. because of me that we didn't get there. Oh, um, okay, go on. I'm sorry. Really killed me. That really killed me. Because in team roping, you know, when if the contrary would have happened and you do win, you have extreme highs and extreme lows. So kind of being involved in team roping and rodeo and around animals, it's kind of taught me to balance those things. And, and putting yourself in that many pressure situations, it's crazy how, you know, it doesn't only help me down the road in roping, but even during the coronavirus stuff, when there's these pressure, pressure situations and, and there's pressure calls to be made on investments, it, I like to think it doesn't rattle me as much as it would have if I hadn't have been in some of those situations before. Yeah. You got rid of all the jitters with, with the I got horses. rid of those jitters. <laughs> and you, just become, you know, the more that you're un, in uncomfortable situations, they become comfortable for you, right? So yes. high pressure situations. And, and there's high pressure situations in investing. I mean, when the market's crashing, every day another 10%, 15% and people are looking at you for answers. That's a pretty pressure filled situation. So, um, you know, I like to think that I've learned to handle some of those things a lot better than uh, maybe someone that hasn't been in a lot of those situations, especially for a younger advisor. Um, I think that that's um, gifted me with a lot more knowledge than maybe other younger advisors would have. I agree. And I think it's so cool that you happen to be on a team with that example, because it's not just about, you know, figuring out how to deal under high pressure situations like that. You literally have somebody else's livelihood in your hands when you're talking about their investments and such. So not only, not only are you able to deal under pressure, but what I grabbed from that example, Hunter, is that you also are able to understand how that is going to affect somebody else. So it probably just creates a, a huge amount of empathy for you. And, and this sense of, you know, that there is it's a sense of importance, I think is what I'm looking at, that it's not just going to affect you, that it will have an impact on somebody else. And so I love that example. I think that's a great one. And, and yeah, I mean, you want to share with them what your age is, because you mentioned, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you mentioned yeah, that you're a young advisor. And actually, yeah. I think that's something that's awesome. So what's your age? Yeah, so I'm 24. I'll be 25 in September. And what what's your story why nah, I, I heard this in vegas but i love the yeah. story because you didn't just wake up one day and go i think i i think i'll be a financial advisor where's the history there for you yeah um so my dad's financial advisor and i were super close he was just close with my family we were always great friends and i played a ton of golf with him i'm a really big avid golfer um and so anyways we'd be on the golf course all the time and i i knew what he did and i just saw you know, he, he was always happy and he was a great relationship guy. He was just so fun to be around. And I was always like, man, I, I wonder what he does all the time because he just has all of this freedom and he has such a great persona. I was kind of drawn to it. And so I did an internship with him in high school and I kind of just fell in love with the industry. I mean, I had so much fun with him. I loved, like I said, I loved the relationship side. I loved the strategy side. I loved everything about it. And I was also interested in potentially becoming a lawyer. So I went and did a, um, an internship at a law firm. And after day one, I was like, <laughs> this is not happening. I sat in one arbitration, game over. I, I was so <laughs> done with it. <laughs> so I kind of just 
thought that, you know, through college, I went and got an economics degree and I was planning on maybe being in corporate finance and maybe being an advisor. And then when we moved to California, I've only lived here for the last three years now. Um, I was born here, but moved to Arizona, moved back. Anyways, when we moved back here, I went and did an internship, um, actually at a bigger wirehouse called Waddell and Reed. And again, I just, it kind of confirmed the love that I have for the industry. And I just started studying for all of my series licenses that I was talking about during my senior year of college so that I was licensed, not right after graduation, it took me a couple more months, but um, pretty quickly after. And I just got started right away. That's awesome. I love that you tried something else as well. And it, that here's, here's why that could have been a decent paycheck for you as well. Right. I mean, becoming a lawyer probably would have gotten you some decent money, but you knew that that wasn't you at a gut level. Like it wasn't fun for you. And so you came instead and did something that you actually enjoy. So anybody who comes to you can know with confidence that you're not showing up to work every day just for a paycheck. You actually enjoy what you're doing. And, and this is, I think this, I think that this is an industry that, can't always be super enjoyable for everybody, <laughs> like, right? Like, can be stressful. <laughs> not, not just stressful, but like some people really just say, dude, help me make sure I have enough money to enjoy my life later on, but yeah. do not make me go through all of the, just the ick of combing through those numbers. Like that is so boring for so many people. Oh, right? man. So I, I think it's great that someone can connect with someone like you who not only knows the numbers and is smart, but also has fun with it. Cause I'm guessing you also make it fun for people. I try to, I tell people, you know, after our first meetings, I don't really like to meet in the office anymore. Like let's go have lunch, hit a golf ball, go fish. I mean, whatever it is, it just, cause it, that relationship aspect is so important. And that's, that's part of what's enjoyable about it. You know, people don't want to just go sit down in a fancy conference room with your tie all snugged up and, and get your sparkling water and talk about finances. I mean, it's important to do that in the beginning and you got to go over all that stuff. But as our relationship grows and, and we continue down this path, I really don't like to, to go about it that way anymore. I mean, it should be something that I try to make enjoyable for people because if not, who the heck wants to go in and talk about their financial plan? I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning like, oh man, I can't wait to go meet with Hunter today and talk right. about my financial plan. I mean, <laughs> that's, that doesn't happen. So um, I think it's important to try to make it enjoyable in the best way that you can. Yeah. Well, the very fact that you remember growing up with your father's financial advisor and he was a close friend of the family. I mean, I think that says a whole lot because that just, it shows that that's important to you now and you're wanting to then replicate that for other people. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that not everyone can go out and golf with you, right? Cause you are able to help people. I know you mentioned that you used to live in Arizona and now you're in California, but you're able to help people from anywhere in the United States. Isn't that correct? Yeah, anywhere. Um, it's super easy. It's a, it's a small fee, depending on the state, um, to have my licenses cover that state. But currently, I have clients in Idaho, Nevada, California, and Arizona, those four right now. So I'm licensed in those four states. Um, if I had a client that popped up somewhere else, I'd just pay the small fee and I'd be registered there. It's a super easy process. 
Perfect. I love that because you just don't know who's listening today and who says, oh my gosh, I really want to make sure that I hire that guy because, because he's not only smart, but fun. And that really, I think that really does make a difference for a lot of the, at least the people who listen to my show, because yeah, fair, you know, fair. for me, that's important. So, um, okay. So I want to just also find out for you, um, or from you that we're, we're in some unbelievable times right now. And, and I know that, I know that it can be scary for some people, but I would like for you to talk a little bit about what are some of the fit, the pitfalls that we should be aware of. And then I also want to talk about the positive side. So some of the silver linings that we're able to kind of grab out of this right now too. Totally, totally. And, you know, on my podcast and with my clients, I've, I've really been kind of hammering in more of the positive things that can come from this. Cause there really are a lot of positives, even, you know, people fall for this herd mentality and, and they hear the news and they hear what their friends are saying and there's a lot of negativity, but I'm glad you say that because there are a ton of silver linings, but just to, to get the pitfalls out of the way, let's do that first. So yeah. um, a couple, you know, problems that I see with investors um, and, and pitfalls that are out there, you know, number one is you can't be chasing companies only because they're undervalued right now. You know, a lot of companies got beat up during this whole thing and I a hundred percent agree. It has been a great buying opportunity and I've been presenting it that way. But just because a company got beat up doesn't mean it's a good investment decision, right? It's so easy to look and be like, holy cow, every single stock that I'm watching just dropped 50% or more, just buy everything. But, you know, you kind of got to look at the longevity of companies, look at their balance sheets, what's going to be changing here with the quote unquote new normal, you know, there could be companies that really, realistically, they're not going to recover from this. So mm -hmm. just throwing your darts at the dartboard and, and, blindly picking companies because they've been in the red for so long. Um, that's something that you got to try to avoid doing. Another thing that I've seen a lot of people doing is they're telling me, Hey Hunter, you know, I realize it's a great buying opportunity. I'm just waiting for a vaccine to come out. So then the market shoots up or I'm just waiting for my governor to tell me that I'm allowed to go outside and then the market's going to shoot up. Well, the market's a forward looking mechanism. It doesn't take into account. It's not, when you wake up, the market has already priced in what it thinks is going to happen six months down the road. So if you woke up today and your governor said, hey, we have a vaccine. We're never going to have the coronavirus again. Everybody go outside. We're back to normal. Well, the market's already, you know, baked some of that in. So you're going to miss that upswing. That probably happened a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. So people that are kind of sitting in fear and waiting for a certain headline to come out, you're just going to miss the boat. You can't time the market that way. It's impossible to do. Um, and another thing that people are doing, you know, they're falling for these economic biases and they're just kind of stuck in fear and afraid to take any action. Um, or they're just making emotional decisions that could really hurt their portfolio. You know, I'm very, very blessed to have really a really good book of clients that I called every single one of them during that, you know, couple weeks time where everything was falling and I'm just talking to them and re going over their goals, kind of talking about my strategy and what I was going to do. And for the, majority of them you know there were some that didn't fit into this idea but i told them i'm like guys as things are falling i think that we should uh you know take a chance right now with some of our portfolio let's get out of some of this safety and move into some aggressive plays and you know luckily like i said i have great clients like connor i trust you do what you're going to do you know i i know that long run we're going to be okay and those clients have rebounded amazingly well not that i was trying to time anything but buying into some of those discounted companies that I believed had really good longevity, you know, they just 
have performed amazingly over the last couple of months. But I know of a lot of people that were afraid to do anything or they were afraid that it was going to keep falling. So they sold and never got back in. Mm-hmm. And when you make quick emotional decisions like that, that's how you can really, really get hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought up the emotional side of things because when we're talking about like what financial coaching is versus the, the, the financial planning side of it, so much of it really is being in tune with what you think and what you feel and not making those emotional decisions, whether it's about investing or just spending money, right? Like, or, or saving. I mean, we've, I think you and I have talked before about the idea of waiting for dot, dot, dot. And there is a scarcity mindset that creates this desire to like build, 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 like as much, you know, cash as you possibly can. And, and you wait to live and then, and then something happens the next day, you know, or the next month or whatever, you get a horrible diagnosis and now you only have three months to live. And so we want to make sure that we find that balance of not just waiting to live later on or waiting for whatever, but really being able to say, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, an informed decision, but allowing a little bit of risk. A lot of people are like, you know, you have to have high risk to have high returns. I don't think that you have to necessarily have high risk to have high returns, right? Like you can actually have some, some really low risk and have some really high returns in that it's all part of a strategy and knowing what you're, what you're really looking for. So I think part of it's not getting caught up in the, you know, it has to be all this or nothing. And the all or nothing thinking tends to really hold people back, I think. So that emotional piece, keeping that grounded and, and just knowing like, okay, why am I doing this? Like what, what feeling am I having right now? Am I acting out of fear? Am I, am I acting out of excitement? Am I acting out of naivete? Like there, there is something there. Is it just, am I feeling guilty about something? And now I'm trying to, you know, make up for that in some way, shape or form. And the way that we spend and save and behave with our money is oftentimes a reflection of that. So I love that you are the type of advisor who's going to say, let's check our emotions and, before we make that decision, right? Like find that balance between emotion and logic and and all that fun stuff. Right. I tell people all the time, you know, part of my job is to separate people from their own keyboard. Yes. (laughs) I mean, seriously, the market's tanking. They they cannot go and just be like, sell everything. They have got to call me and we got to talk about it. And like I said, I'm, I'm super, super blessed to have a clientele that um, I've built on purpose of people that trust me and we get along well. So I don't have that happening. But I see other advisors where they're getting a call like, hey, buy this right this second. And then they're like, hold on a second. Like, let's think about this. Um, but I'm also really glad you brought up the low risk and still being able to get good returns out of that. Um, because that's so prevalent of what just happened of this whole coronavirus thing. I mean, for those people that were in a low risk situation, they didn't lose even close to what the major indexes were losing. And people don't realize when the S&P loses 30%, it doesn't need just 30% to get back to zero. It needs a lot more than that. So if you can really minimize yourself on the downside and minimize those losses, and that's our whole goal with active management, right? Is to minimize the losses on the downside. It's not always to chase crazy returns. Yes. Minimizing those losses, you probably are outperforming better than people that were super high risk and just got absolutely walloped during this time. So low risk does not always mean low returns. You can still do really well. Yes. Yes. Very cool. I appreciate that. Um, there are, there, there's one overarching thing that I'd like to talk about before we close up today. And that is that oftentimes I teach my people how to put their money where their why is. And 
I, I think I think that that's why I operate differently than a lot of the. Um, I don't want to say the gurus out there because that's not what I mean, but there's a lot of like one size fits all approaches that are out there, you know, here, just do this, everyone do this. And the reason that I, I think that I do things a little bit differently, especially when I'm sitting one-on-one -on -one with somebody is that yeah. my, my approach is to help you put your money where your why is because you might have a completely different goal, a completely different dream than person B over here. And I want to make sure that we get your money where yours, your desires are right. When I spoke with you about how you deal with clients, you actually said almost to the exact same phrase that I use. I think you said something like, I want to help te people teach them to invest to their why or something like that. I don't remember exactly what you said, but I was like, Oh my gosh, like this, yes, this, this like all this. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about why, why that's so important to you? Cause they already know why that's important to me. Yeah. Um, so I actually did a few episodes fully on knowing your why and why that's so important in investing. And it's important with anything. I mean, like I said, I try to think that I'm a pretty goal oriented person, whether it comes to team roping, my book of business, anything. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a goal that you set for yourself, there's no expectations and it's something that you can never meet. And so I won't take on a client if they just say, Hey Hunter, I've got, you know, whatever amount of money, I got a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, can you get it invested for me? I think it's a good time. Okay. Well, what are you trying to do with this? What's the goal here? Are you trying to, you know, to ha have this help you retire earlier? Are you trying to be able to buy a vacation home? Do you just want to be able to help your kids go to college? Do you want to buy a new car? I mean, what is this for? And if they can't answer that question, then how can we ever track if we're doing well or not, or if we're on track to reaching a goal? Because if you gave me $100,000 and I made you 20% in a year, but we didn't have a goal for it and the S&P made 30%, they could just come back and be like, hey, you know, why did we do less than the S&P? Well, <laughs> I didn't know what our goal was, you know? If you want to beat the S&P 500, we got to take on a lot of risk. I didn't realize that that was the goal here. So it just makes it really, really, I mean, impossible to benchmark and to track how our progress is doing if you don't have a distinct reason for investing your money. Yes. And what about the person who says, you know what, I, I know I want, I, here's my goal, but I also want to make sure that I have access to that money before that goal. That's part of their why too, right? Like I want to have some liquidity over here. I want to be able to access that money. And so then as an advisor, you're able to say, okay, well, we can't throw all of it into what, again, I don't know. I do not ever pretend to be an expert with this. And I think you said something about like qualified versus non-qualified accounts, something like that. Exactly. Right? Okay. So can you explain the difference of that? So people know, and here's the thing, guys, if you, I, I'm going to make sure that Hunter gives you his contact information so you can, I'm hoping that this is, they'll flood you <laughs> with all of these questions. But if you don't want to go to Hunter and you're looking at somebody else, I want you to at least hear some of the terminology so that you can know, I need to ask this question and this is why. So the difference between a qualified versus non-qualified and talk about it in terms of liquidity, if you could, or access. Yes. Yeah, so that's another reason why it's so important to have a reason that you're investing your money. Because if you, if you don't give me a reason that you're investing your money and I just put it in some type of account and all of a sudden you say, Hunter, I need that money. Well, it could be tied up. Cause like you said, there's qualified versus non-qualified accounts in a qualified account. You can think of it more as your retirement type of accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks, all of those sorts of things where your money's tied up for a specific period of time. Depends how old you are, but 
you know, you might not be able to touch that money for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and or else you get a 10% penalty and ordinary income tax. I mean, that's a huge ordeal. You don't want to mess with that. So there's not a whole lot of liquidity normally within qualified accounts until you reach a specific age. Now, if you were to tell me, hey, Hunter, you know, I've got this sum of money. I want to be able to buy a house in the next five years. You know, maybe I'll go in and figure out, okay, if we just get 5% a year on this money, you'll be able to do this in five years and you'll be able to buy your house. We want to put that in more of a non-qualified account because we want to we want to be able to liquidate that account in five years and not have to pay any taxes or or any penalties on it. Um, you have to pay capital gains taxes still, but not any penalties on it. Um, so those non-qualified accounts they provide a lot more liquidity and work for more short-term goals. So it's important to have both. I mean that's that's the goal of creating a full financial plan, right? Working from I talk about it of building your financial house. We're, working from putting the base layer down all the way up until we're going to put fancy chandeliers in your house. We want to have these different buckets mm -hmm. that we can invest in that some are for long-term goals, some are for short-term goals, qualified versus non-qualified accounts, different risk tolerances. You want to have all these sort of things because it's important to diversify not only within each bucket and picking different stocks and different sectors and everything, but it's also important to diversify against different tax implications and different lengths of time that we're going to be investing yes. in a perfect world. Yes. Um, for one second, I'm going to pull out just the irony of qualified versus non-qualified. I think it's hilarious that qualified means you can't get to it. I know. So <laughs> non-qualified <laughs> means you can't have access to it. So I'm just going to throw that out there because as you know, because we share Mark the hypnotist as a coach, right? And so one of the things I love that he has taught us is that language is hypnotic and it starts to form what we think and what we do and how we, how we react. So I, I just want to point that out because mo most people, at least, well, I shouldn't say most people would think this because most people aren't like me, but when I hear that, I think I want it to, it qualifies for what I'm looking for, right? Yeah. And so, and so just keep that in mind, guys, if you're looking for qualified versus non-qualified, it might not mean what you think intuitively that means. So just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. So I think we, we've covered so much today. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you think is really important for today's listeners to, to hear? You know, the most important thing that I think there is right now, and this is kind of comes back to the silver linings of the current economic situation. I think that people need to realize there is a lot of opportunity right now. Yes. And volatile times is when people actually make the most money. So you have to be smart about it. But like I said, you can't be just stuck in fear and waiting on the sidelines to hear the news that you want to hear because you're too late. Mm -hmm. And you just got to get started. I mean, we talk about it all the time, whether it's entrepreneurship, investing, anything. You can't ever do anything if you never get started. And you know the biggest thing that sticks out to me when I listen to people talk about what's gonna happen in the future of the economy, because I, I literally laugh about it. I mean, I wake up one day and, and Yahoo Finance will tell me, oh, market capital, market um, expert says that we're gonna have the greatest recession ever um, ahead of us. And then I'll wake up the next day and it says, market expert says that the biggest boom is coming ever. I mean, it, it's just silly if <laughs> you're just listening to the news. Um, but realistically, what sticks out in my mind is when you're investing in the stock market, you're investing in American capitalism and investing in the U.S. economy, which has always recovered from anything that has ever happened. I mean, talk about Great Depressions, earthquakes, hurricanes, whatever viruses that have come through. We have never not recovered. So in my mind, you know, 
placing your bet on American capitalism and on the US economy is the best bet that you can make. So when you think about it in that framework, this short-term volatility doesn't scare people as much. And it's just a good reference point to have that if your account's falling a little bit, you still own the same amount of shares. We're still in a good spot. We're betting on the longevity of the US economy that always, always, always comes back. And it, and it alleviates a lot of that stress that people have day in and day out when they can now look on their phones and see if their stock is down 2% and it puts a little bit of a bellyache in them, you know? Right. Um, well, I just think that's that, a great perspective. Right. And, but you also mentioned, you know, that you're diversifying things. Um, and, and by that, I mean like the risk and all that. So it's not like you're putting all your chips in the, on the table. Right. So exactly. I think even, even though, like you said, you would, you would place your bet on American capitalism. I think that's a kind of cool way to say that you're still not throwing all of your chips into that, <laughs> into that bet. And so I think that's part of the reason that you're able to not, not have the belly aches on a regular basis because you know that one one foul swoop is not going to take you out. So I think no, that's huge. Exactly. Our our your your models are or at least our models are built to withstand volatile times. So um, and that's the part that that's the whole point of active management, right? That you don't get beat up when things aren't going exactly how you want. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my biggest takeaways. I like to bet on American capitalism. <laughs> I love that. And you guys, you need to listen to Hunter's uh, podcast. It is so fun. You mentioned that you love roping and animals and all that. I mean, it's called Wealth Management, right? Is that correct? It's called the Wealth Accelerator Podcast. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're good. I, I obviously didn't write that down. <laughs> oh, well, maybe that's part. Maybe that's yeah. why I saw that. So one more time, so they hear it over my laughter. The Wealth Accelerator Podcast? The Wealth Accelerator podcast, yes. Okay, and when you hear it, it sounds like a country song is starting in the beginning. Yeah. I just, it's like, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I on the right podcast here? But that's what I love, again, so much about your approach, Hunter, is that you are not afraid to be Hunter Lowry. It is yeah, not the, it's not the stiff neck person that you would think, you know, as the financial advisor, uh, but you're, you're okay with that. You weren't running away from who you are to try to do what you, what you absolutely love. And so I think that that's awesome. You are, you're working towards your own why, not just learning how to help other people put their money where their why is. So I thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Please tell people where they can find you and I'll make sure I put all that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the easiest way is just hunterlowry.com. That's kind of, you know, where I send everybody. All my podcasts are there. Um, the link to my personal calendar, everything's right there. But I have the Wealth Accelerator podcast page on Facebook as well. But then I have a lot of people just add me my personal pages on Facebook and Instagram, just Hunter Lowry. Um, I mean, on any social media, you can find me. So I'm all over the place. <laughs> and it's L-O-W-R-Y, right? Yes, L-O-W-R-Y. Okay. Perfect. I always want to add an E. And I'm, I know. I, so that's does. why I'm telling people so that they can find you without adding the E. <laughs> so Hunter spelled H-U-N-T-E-R, like regular, and then Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y dot com. Yes. Fantastic. And they can, they can go there and find you. And very Perfect. cool. And I can tell you guys that he is Johnny on the spot. Like you, you email him, he will email you right back. I mean, you know, you're going to be flooded. So, so make sure you get, make sure you give him 24 to 48 hours, but a, yeah. <laughs> a regular response time. But, but yeah, I, I, I'm putting my name on you. I'm stamping it because that's, I just think that that's so important to have uh, somebody who sees, yes, I can trust this person. And so again, I appreciate you for coming on today. And if you have any, any other stuff to share with people, you know, I'll hope, hopefully they'll just call you instead. Perfect. Yeah. I really, right. really appreciate you having me on.
Thank you, you betcha. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day, Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, guys, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. It means the world to me. And I can't imagine that you walked away from that 40-minute interview without hearing something that just really grabbed you and said, that is exactly the type of financial advisor that I want to have. So whether that is Hunter or somebody else, I encourage you to ask the right questions, connect with somebody that you know, you like, and you trust. And if you don't know anybody who you know, like, and trust, feel free to set a quick call with me. I can try to help you find somebody or at least figure out what the right questions are that you're going to want to ask given your current circumstances. The way that you do that again is to go to chatwithmc.com. That is chatwithmc, as in Maria Casillas.com and book a call and we will sit down and figure that out. All right, you guys have a great rest of your day. As always, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.